Hey, Revenue Radio. I'm Mary Grothy, and today we have a new face. And for those of you not watching on YouTube, we have a new voice. And this voice belongs to a man named Timothy. And Timothy joined us a couple of months ago, and we are grateful. And you're going to find out why as soon as he opens his mouth. Timothy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mary. All right. So today we are going to start digging into how you build a marketing department in 10 minutes or less. Well, okay, that's kind of silly. But in all actuality, let me give you a little background on why we wanted to record on this topic. In second stage scale, so these are the companies we typically serve at House of Revenue, they have plateaued. They've gone through startup scale and they've plateaued. And then they're trying to figure out like, hey, what do we do from here to reach a new level? More often than not, it is because they've never really developed a marketing function. Like very rarely have we had a company come to us and say, we cracked the code on marketing out of the gate and we have the best marketing engine Mm -hmm. and we have a sales problem. That's usually not what they say. Mm -hmm. Usually it's, hey, the founder was super scrappy, figured out how to sell, founder-led sales, then we had word of mouth and then we built a small sales team, but we've never really built out our marketing. So oftentimes they're like, hey, great. All we need to do is like hire a CMO, right? Or maybe we just get like a marketing manager or... So the big challenge with that is unfortunately in marketing, I think... In second stage scale, the most overlooked realization is there are what, 10, 15, 20 specialties in marketing. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to build a marketing engine the right way, why would you not put attention to all those when you first build it? What do you see in second stage scale? That's a that's a good point. I mean, I think your point of hiring a leader or a C-suite or a VP is the silver bullet. And that's mm. usually the question of let's just hire a VP of marketing CMO and that person will come in and revenue will fall from the sky. (laughs) So that is not always the case because those people come in, they need support. Like you're saying, there's 20 different specialties. Not everybody's a full stack marketer, especially at that level. So being able to, um, leverage, I think different assets in that core leader are key, but also thinking about the other skill sets and marketing engine that you're trying to build. Um, one of the faults that I see all too often in mid stage scale is they, maybe have what you're saying, like they might have a marketing program that's mostly brute strength, let's Mm -hmm. say, like mostly sales just going through uh, and breaking through that client demeanor. But on the flip side, what they're not thinking about is how do we grow on that scale? So what marketing strategy you have and how are you staffing around that is vastly important uh, because you can hire an ABM specialist to go to a DTC company (laughs) and that's not going to work very well. No. Um, So making sure that you're aligning skill set to... the level, but also diversification is like massively important, I think. Yeah, well, fit for the role. So any role that we recruit at House of Revenue for our clients, we follow the RPAC methodology, which is role match, proven achievement, acumen, and culture fit. Role match is critical. How many times do you get like, oh, but they were the CMO at Crocs. Sorry, whoever the CMO at Crocs is, you're probably amazing, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? And then like, you want to plug them in on a second stage scaling startup. Mm -hmm. You're like, but what did that, when did they enter Crocs? When did they enter that big company that you're Mm -hmm. so excited that they were a part of that brand? Like at what stage of the journey? Because just because they worked for a really cool brand name, how is that transferable? And when you look at the role match, like the role of a marketer, uh, so we, ha- we get to hire CMOs here, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you came to mm-hmm. us. And one of the first thing I said is like, yes, it's a CMO role, but it is entrepreneurial and it is scrappy. Right. Like, I know you're high level. I know you're strategic. You've earned it. Like you've earned sitting in a CMO seat, but 
I said to you, like, you cannot be above the work. I need you to roll up your sleeves. These clients need a full stack marketer Mm -hmm. who also happens to be a CMO, like hello unicorn to be able to build the right infrastructure for the engine. Let's Mm -hmm. go into campaign architecture. When we talk about campaign architecture, I think that this takes the understanding of a CEO away from traditional marketing strategies. So let me, let me fill in the blank here. Traditional marketing strategies, SEO, Mm -hmm. paid media, Mm -hmm. social media, content marketing. Yeah. Email marketing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. These are all like different strategies, but campaign architecture is putting all of it together to build a campaign Mm -hmm. for a specific type of buyer that has a specific outcome attached to it that typically involves the sales funnel. So we can make sure that we're optimizing for conversion. So let's talk about campaign architecture and where do most marketers when they're in this early stage, earlier stage, second stage scale, like where are they missing the mark on campaign architecture? That's one of my favorite topics. And I feel like it's one of the most over over our underestimated aspect of marketing in general, because what you're trying to do there, if we think about it from the house of revenues, bow tie model uh, on the front end, right? You're trying to gain new clients. That's always the important part, gain new clients, get new leads, get new MQLs, get the, get the leads rolling in. But secondly, uh, where I see a lot of, uh, you know, mid-stage startups start to header out is in the adoption phase. Mm. So that back half of that customer journey and not putting a lot of real effort, emphasis there and assuming that CS or sales or AMs will fill in that gap for you. Um, that is a major challenge because again, back to skill set, those roles are not necessarily thinking about customer velocity from one end of the buyer journey to all the way to the end of advocacy. And I think that can be a deficiency. So the idea of a campaign architecture is quite literally that it's the support bridge underneath mm. your buying funnel. Um, and if you prop improperly weight that you're going to have areas where you're going to have deficits in your marketing funnel, that might be an adoption. You can get a client in, but three months in, they're like, oh, this is not for me. I picked the wrong solution. I'm <laughs> out. Uh, because your adoption process, your onboarding process might've had some errors in it. So that part of it, when, if you think about the bow tie funnel and how it matches up to the campaign architecture, one is the model and the other one is the support structure. Um, and that support structure is absolutely key when you're walking into it and how that tiles that, how that kind of dovetails into marketing strategy is if you're thinking about your marketing strategy without the lens of a campaign architecture, you end up scattershotting things really quickly. Like, Oh, this shiny picture, this pretty image, uh, and not thinking about the customer journey holistically. And that's where you really can fall out on the MQL perspective and also the customer adoption and, uh, advocacy at. Uh, aspects of it as well. So, sure. Adoption can be troublesome if they have a botched implementation experience or lack of training. But what about lack of articulation of what the product or service can actually do when they're in the buyer funnel? Like how much of marketing should own the way that we're going to market and communicating the pains and problems we solve, who our ideal customer is, how we make their life better and what to expect? Like, have you seen scenarios where Maybe it wasn't implementation's fault or onboarding's fault. Like, did we correctly market this? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, did yeah. we, where have you seen that fall apart? Yeah. I think that a lot of that comes in the expectation setting, like you're just saying. And some of the, um, the goals initially set, if sales and marketing are not aligned and a really easy, uh, misalignment there is sales is saying something that CS or operations cannot back up or marketing can not substantiate or vice versa, frankly, (laughs) I've seen it that way as well. Um, And that can create a lot of problems in the organization, um, especially around adoption. But a lot of marketing's roles, I think in the first part of that buyer funnel is setting expectations. 
Um, Because if you're setting those expectations of what the client is going to see before they walk in and do a demo or visit with a BDR or any of that upstream client activity, um, that can be really important in the process. Because once you get to adoption, uh, if they have a relatively good understanding of what the product is able to do, and you've sold that not to just the buyer, um, so the economic buyer end of that client, but you've also touched down into the user level, um, that's where you get a little bit more holistic adoption process, I think. Yeah. And that can be used by a lot of different marketing messages that could be in-app pushing, that could be front-end expectation setting. Um, there's a number of different deploy deployment met- methods that you can use there. So I see when we look at common errors that happen in building the marketing department, there's very traditional marketing methods that have been used Mm -hmm. in B2B marketing specifically over the last decade. And inbound marketing is one of the big ones, right? So there's now innovation coming through that says maybe we shouldn't gate all of our content. Maybe we need to, what was that big Airbnb article that said like they've ditched marketing and now it's all on brand awareness and yeah. So what they doubled do you, down on brown and or brand, brand on mm-hmm. just pulled all all the advertising aspects of it. Yeah, Gosh, this is great for you know a massive brand that like literally everyone knows what it is. Yeah, when you're the 800 pound gorilla <laughs> in the room, that's an easy strategy to deploy. Yeah, uh, I loved that article, and I'm like, how many young aspiring marketers are gonna like go back march into the yeah. exec's office? Guess what? We're ditching everything on advertising, and we're only going on brand. Yeah. It's like, okay, hold on, but. One of the, okay, so going back to my initial thought is when we're looking at building a marketing department today, I think one of the issues is resting on what has worked in the past. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of innovation coming out right mm-hmm. now. I think that with Google's recent algorithm shift and prioritizing high value content over transactional blog content, which is really just like the big shift before that got people away from keyword stuffing mm-hmm. and actually put into more thought leadership in blogs, like we're in the next evolution mm-hmm. because people started doing the exact same thing and keyword stuffing transactional blog content and now we're like okay google's like enough is enough there's Mm -hmm. how many millions of blogs out there like let's go to high value content and let's reward the domains where people actually get their question answered versus having to go back to the results and pick a different one so we're seeing some of these trends we're seeing some of these shifts so i think one of the biggest mistakes that a second stage scaling ceo can make right now is building a marketing department the way that they know right or the way they've seen it done in the past. I think now is the time for innovation, which a good hypothesis is going to come from great audit and research. So Mm -hmm. you talked about what is the right step? Do we hire a CMO? Do we hire a marketing manager? Well, sure, maybe that's fine. But like, then what? You can hire the marketing leader. I think that's an absolutely fine first step. I would be cautious on hiring to ivory tower and high level because you need someone in that stage who's entrepreneurial and scrappy. So if they do have a CMO level accolade, they need to be able to do the work and not Mm -hmm. be above it. So fine. It could be a a VP level, director level, marketing manager. I I don't care. But somebody who's going to be in charge of the actual building of the department. So we start with audit and research and then we develop the strategy. What are you seeing as a supporting cast? Like when you're building a marketing department for second stage scale, what are those full-time positions that you see Mm -hmm. being good? Like, hey, let's build around this rock. And then what do you see as variations and ways to fill out a full supporting cast without breaking the bank? Yeah, that's a fair point. I, that's a fair question. So I think one of the one of the biggest things I think about when you're building a marketing team obviously goes back to the strategy. Um, if you're a product-led company uh, and you go at demand gen, you're going to have some misalignment there from marketing and sales perspectives. Uh, but if you lead out with a product marketer, which, you know, honestly, in my experience, aren't your classically trained marketers. They're actually 
maybe more on the product side or leaning to that perspective. But having that voice of customer person in that role is really um, key. So when you're looking at types of roles, I look at obviously leaders of the marketing strategy. So what I don't like to do is segment specialists where it's like director of marketing, PPC specialist, email optimization specialist, mm-hmm. and all of that ideas. Uh, I think that that can be one strategy for an enterprise level um, organization when you're getting to yeah. I'm the email marketer for HubSpot <laughs> and I have a million campaigns to manage. Uh, so that might be a different story in terms of scale. But when you're downstream from that, what you can get a lot of net effect uh, and lay the a lot of good foundations about finding a more more around a full stack marketer to command that marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So instead of just being a PPC or content marketer, you look you look for a product marketer um, that has those skills and that can command that tract. What that also helps with is as the organization scales and develops and builds, that person in that role, assuming they've been there and they're tenured, are starting to lay the foundations for the people that come after them. Those specialists that maybe come in as a content marketing specialist or uh, email marketer or SEO of that value um, to the businesses there. That's where I think you get a little bit more oomph. When you hire for specialist role and you get very down into that role, um, of just hiring one individual, you can pigeonhole yourself and actually submarine your entire strategy by not having the right people uh, in place to move that. Or worst case scenario, you actually end up spending more money to execute the strategy because you have to hire external contractors and agencies to fill in the gaps for the people that you hired that can't do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a really important piece. So when you're thinking about also hiring that that leader to come in, um, the one thing I look for in the resume is current certifications of the systems. So yeah, that's great. You learned HubSpot 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, six months ago, because a lot's changed. Yeah. Um, back to your point on PPC, you know, when I started in PPC and SEO, it was really easy to get ranked in first page position by just pointing a bunch of keywords and a bunch of links at a website. It would get number one, you know, within a couple of weeks. I'm being bombastic, but you get the point of it was a lot easier um, and a lot less sophisticated 10 years ago than it is now. And I think the systems have done that too. So all too often, what I also see as a mistake is you hire a sophisticated ivory level individual that says, I know PPC from 2010, Yeah, um, which is not the same thing, right? Um, The systems have changed dramatically. So also having that high level person in that position helps coach the people and lay the foundations as it rolls down. So you can almost think of it as a cascading solution or a cascading knowledge tree. That way you're also able to fold that all up in tribal knowledge and keep that within the company so it doesn't just keep leaving and retaining and then you have to kind of go back to the well constantly. I love the concept of evaluating first from strategy, like we have to know out of the gate, what are we playing for? What is the outcome Mm -hmm. we're trying to achieve? So the strategy is going to point us from A to B, current state, desired future state, and then moving through the middle. So based on the strategy, this is now how we're going to determine who we're hiring. So bringing in that uh, person that's going to keep it all together and manage it. Mm -hmm. And then as we get into the specialist roles, the smaller the company, they might be able to get away with contractors, freelancers for those real specialty roles and not mm-hmm. hiring full time or considering working with an agency. The biggest pause I have on an agency is they're usually very expensive and it takes time for them to ramp. So it can be mm-hmm. a lot of waste of cost if they're not successful. One thing that I have found personally is working with freelancers and contractors. Yep. They're way less expensive. You have one-on-one attention with them. 
granted they're doing work for other people, but you're not working through a full service team and agency and all this noise and all the padded margin that's in there and covering their overhead. Like it's usually a very lean cost. You can do the interviewing on the front end to say, are you a specialist in this industry with this type of buyer for this type of campaign with this Mm -hmm. specific specialty? This is what we're looking at doing for the campaign. This is the outcome we're looking to achieve. Can you agree to that or not? And then we can plug in those contractor freelancer specialists and really build out a powerful team. Now, the great news about a scaling company is what you put in today doesn't have to be the answer for a year from now, five years mm-hmm. from now. And I do believe like as much as you can build inside of the company as possible as a retained asset, the better. And if you can do like pick and choose what needs to be a full-time position versus mm-hmm. what can be a contractor part-time, I think is quite brilliant. It leans out the expense in the model. Then you do get the uh, opportunity to work with specialists, mm-hmm. but you're not augmenting a huge team. Now let's just say over time, great. It works. The company scales. Now you have some people that you've worked with and if you love them and if they want full-time work, you might be able on. to exactly you right find a from good there. graphic designer. Bring her on, you mm-hmm. know, and especially if she has the quality of work that matches the work product and you don't have to train that person. Like you're saying from the agency agency perspective, you just fast track your velocity and onboarding mm-hmm. so much quicker. So I agree with you. And also you're concentrating uh, your assets and resources in a person mm-hmm. rather than an entity. And I feel like you get a bit, little bit more oomph around that yeah. when you're paying somebody, let's say, 80 to $180 an hour, um, depending upon the skill sets or job type that means more to a person than it does to an individual or to an organization sometimes. And that way, in my opinion, you get a little bit better work product overall and typically it can be faster. Yeah. There's a, uh, yeah, I've uh, had the privilege of working with some agencies myself. Also, we've had the privilege of learning how to work with agencies, Mm -hmm. being in the CRO and CMO seat, because sometimes we inherit them when we go on contract for our clients. Sometimes we make the recommendation to hire them. Mm -hmm. It just depends. But one of the commonalities I see with agencies is you'll uh, be stuck in their turnaround times. And you're also going to be stuck yep, dealing with their, their turnover and their SOPs. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, if they have turnover in a seat and you just got somebody ramped on your content and like, you just got that writer and now they're gone, you're like, Oh, I got to ramp a new writer. And so I prefer in some of those real key positions. So mm-hmm. in the strategy, if we determine content is going to be one of the top performing strategies for that client. I'm probably not excited about using an agency. If it's that important of a strategy for this specific revenue engine, Mm. I would rather have a full-time writer on staff and have that knowledge expert that can Mm -hmm. be so immersed in the tone, in the knowledge and be technical Mm -hmm. and get the job done. And then also work without worrying about, um, holding up or be missing deadlines or Absolutely. waiting for revisions. If it's a full-time employee, it's just or so having different. to, you know, backtrack to your board or your investors mm-hmm. or anything else on why we're delayed on this because a contractor or an agency wasn't able to pull yeah, it across exactly. the line. And that's, that's a, I do want to be fair to the agencies um, folks out there though, and say that the contra on the agency side is you do get a breadth of skill sets in one uh, what I would label, you know, affectionately one throat to choke. You can reach out and you can grab some mm-hmm. uh, account director on the other end and say, I need this done and shake a tree. Now that is only as effective as your relationship with that agency mm-hmm. and their SLAs that you've agreed to, like mm-hmm. you're saying before. So managing that agency can be almost as difficult or even more difficult and more costly sometimes mm-hmm. uh, than managing a network of contractors. Mm-hmm. Um and some of you might be thinking, well, contractors are hard. Uh, where do I find them? Where do I go? All that stuff. My answer to that is always be 
networking. <laughs> and I know that's something that everybody always says like constantly and it's a little trite. However, I'm constantly looking for benches on my seat, uh, whether it be for our next client or for a project, or there might just be something that says, I need this person that does this very specific thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have that person? And I can pull that person out of my Rolodex and provide it, not from a recruiting standpoint, but as a value prop um, to my organizations that we're working with. So um, that's the other, uh, you know, the other strong point to think about, especially from the CEO or CMO seat, is be thinking about your ideal org yeah. um, three to five years out. And don't think about where I want this position to go or where I want this position to do, but more of where I want this position to go. What that also do is, does is a side effect is create upward momentum mobility and a, and a career mm -hmm. track for the employee that you've just placed so much trust and value in. Yes. Uh, they feel trust and value because it's more of like, well, I could be a director. I could <laughs> be a C-suite. I could get to there if I get these um, gates checked. So that's another, um, I think, other aspect of it uh, that's also really valuable. You also mentioned something earlier, and I think it's also important to time out because we just had this conversation <laughs> with a client, which is around timing. Mm when do you hire is also as important as who do you hire? Yeah. Tell me more. Um, so the question was, where do we start? We have pitched three roles to this organization, a content demand gen marketer, uh, mostly responsible for buyer life cycle, and then a product marketer, mostly responsible for customer life cycle. Um, and then the next thought was, well, which one do we hire first? And I said, neither. Uh, let's go after the creative and brand person first, because that's the biggest thing that we have in front of us with this client. Uh, they do want to go to a rebrand. They are looking at new website and other things, and that's going to come with a lot of brand work, Ar like messaging archetypes and foundations, mm -hmm. a lot of your ICP research and foundations, having that brand leader on the team as a foundation from that, I felt was more important than getting somebody in from a demand gen, uh, to work with a website that guess what? doesn't convert. So <laughs> hiring that demand gen person out of the gates would not have been the most productive or most profitable path for this, this client mm -hmm. hiring a brand leader, which is normally not something I would lead out with. Um, cause you want to get the meat, right? You want to get the, the product and the marketing people in there, uh, and get, get some MQLs going, but having that brand foundation can so, uh, much more inform your marketing strategies mm -hmm. as it, and, uh, as it, kind of rolls out and then also can be a massive support engine to your other two people that you hire after that. So that was kind of a different recommendation, but obviously and very client specific, but when you hire is really important in the life cycle. My biggest mistake in hiring has always been hiring the person too soon. Uh, I don't have the process in place. Maybe I don't have the foundations in place. There's not all the elements for that person to work with. Mm -hmm. And like you said, just like the C-suite, uh, if you're a CEO and you're thinking I can just hire a CMO to hire, to fill that gap, guess what? The CMO is also thinking about that. I can just hire this person to fill the gap. Mm -hmm. Um, when really that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah. I think as we wrap today, one of the biggest lessons is you're not going to find the marketing unicorn. Like you're going to be so hard pressed to be able to find a full stack marketer that can handle this from start to finish. I think they're out there. I've worked with some of them and I think that in earlier stage where they can be very scrappy and entrepreneurial, but there's a shelf life for how long they're going to sit in that role. One, mm -hmm. the engine's going to outgrow a single person Two, right. a, even the best of the best are going to favor certain specialties over others. They're just oh, going completely. to have better strengths and things that they love doing mm. more than others. And so I do think like getting the uh, as much of a full stack marketer as possible that can think strategically as that initial hire, regardless of what their title is. I don't care if it's marketing manager, CMO, those people are out there. 
leverage them, but then trust them to do the audit and research. They can Mm -hmm. truly define a strategy that's going to be competitive. It is uh, speaking to the differentiation. It's what the market wants. And then as they go to build it, listen to them. Because if they're going to say, hey, look, based on this strategy and where we are today, these are the three positions. We need one full-time and we need two specialists. Like, let them build, trust them on that. Mm -hmm. I think as we look at, it's not just who we're hiring, but when we're hiring, Marketing is an unbelievable animal that I feel like is very unknown in a mm-hmm. lot of corporations, especially the smaller companies that make it through startup scale based on scrappy founders, mm-hmm. we're great salespeople, word of mouth, referrals, connections. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But when you grow up as a company and you actually have to build an engine, please do not be surprised when you have this amazing head of marketing step in and say like, Hey, we're going to need five or six roles. Like don't let your head spin. <laughs> it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're going to have some generalists and then you're paying for people to do certain parts of a campaign. Like if you think of an orchestra, you have people sitting in different seats to make beautiful music. Right. But if you have mediocre talent or you have one person that's trying to play four different instruments, like that only lasts so long and you've got, to staff the orchestra if you want the beautiful marketing engine to be uh, to be singing. Does that even make any no, sense? No, it doesn't. I love the analogy of the orchestra because that's exactly how I think of it as well as it's, you know, you have your your maestro, right? But your maestro can set up there, your conductor, um, and they're playing music and they mm-hmm. might not have written the music, which is yeah. another thing, right? So they might... Ooh, um, ooh, that's but, a whole nother episode. Yeah, Don't but, dig us down that road. We have to wrap. <laughs> but like thinking about it from that perspective, I totally agree with you. Um some of the other challenges I, well, we could skip that piece of it, cut that out, but, um, keep. No, we're keeping that in. Okay. <laughs> but like, I think some of the other, you know, we talked about a lot of the challenges around when and where to hire, what not to hire for. Um, some of the other pitfalls are also around, um, tenure, like you were saying, mm-hmm. don't just hire somebody cause they worked at Apple. Don't just hire somebody cause they worked at HubSpot or whatever. Yeah. Um, the product I would say, um, and I'm not throwing shade on those companies, but no. sometimes it's a lot easier to get in a low level position at those companies than it is at a mid-level position at a smaller company because mm-hmm. the inspection is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Agreed. and I'm not saying huh. Google doesn't have a good inspection process with their employees, but what I'm saying is like at a mid-state startup, you know a little bit more about your business mm-hmm. and you're less contingent upon other departments, um, which does make you a little bit more, um, reliant on that full stack person rather than groups of specialists. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This is great to have more marketing knowledge on this. I feel like we've been really heavy on the sales revenue side and we had our CMO, Sabrina, come on to talk about the CMO-CRO relationship. I loved the conversation. Now we're diving deeper into the tactical, like how are we actually building marketing departments? I thought you were tremendous today. Thank you so much, Timothy, for joining us. Thank you.